Welcome, dear listener, and thank you for joining me for this special Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Hall. What we're about to embark on throughout these coming days leading up to Halloween is a series of interviews with people from all walks of life who've experienced some of the most harrowing, spine-chilling tales you've ever heard. We're talking ghost stories, haunted buildings, cursed lands, myths, legends, and lore, the likes of which many have never heard before. Some of my guests are new, most are returning visitors of the show, and have agreed to share with us, in some cases for the first time ever, their personal experiences of unexplained and hair-raising stories from beyond the veil. Consider this your final warning. Those who choose to proceed may have their sanity challenged, question reality, or lose their mind with fear from these tales of the unknown and unexplained. And now, the Dead Hand Radio Halloween Special. Good evening, everyone. This is artist and author J. Edward Neal, and I'm on Dead Hand Radio. Welcome to the Dead Hand Radio Halloween special, Jeremy. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here, man. Um, so the theme for this Halloween special is ghost stories, hauntings, weird tales of the paranormal. Yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, some of your artwork reflects these uh, topics in a pretty profound way is there some kind of influence um on the paranormal world that uh, that you I- incorporate into your artwork i will say yes uh ever since i was a kid i've been pretty fascinated uh curious you know with what 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 exists on the other side you know is there another side you know what is there after death um and I try to capture that in some of my paintings, some of my artworks, and some of my books too. I think we're all curious, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and for me, I was not uh, always as intrigued with the topic as I am more recently. I would say probably within the last two or three years. What changed? Oh, first of all, when I was a little kid, I not a little kid, but I was old enough to drive. I had a dream where my grandmother visited me, and I, I have not shared this on the podcast yet. Oh. Um, but uh, she came to me in a dream. She had passed when I was young, so I barely knew her, but I do remember her well. She came to me in the dream, and she was talking to me for some time, and I think she was in a house or the, where I saw her, I was in a house that we had lived in when I was younger, but she had already passed. She had lived in that same house prior to passing though. Yes. So she gave me a message and it compelled me to drive from the town I lived in, which was Vacaville about 40 minutes to Sacramento and visit that house because the, the house was still, um, it was owned by my cousins um, or it was owned by my aunt who was my mother's sister. I mean, my grandmother's sister. So you just, sh- you just showed up and you're like, Hey, I'm here. I did. Yeah. But we were, we were a close family back in those days. This was, okay. uh, Oh, I think the early eighties and, um, uh, our family was really close. And so, yeah, I just showed up. My cousins were living there and the, the cousins were my mom's age, but they, 
welcomed me in and I was pretty upset by this dream because, you know, it hit really hard when my grandma, grandmother had passed. So I went in there and I was talking with them, you know, and just reconnecting with that part of the family. But uh, I never forgot that dream, man. And, you know, as I got older, I didn't realize that spirits could visit you in your dreams. That's crazy, right? And so I think that's what it was. I think her spirit had actually visited me in a dream and she gave me that message. And that message is still with me to this day. I still don't know what it means. And that's why I don't really <laughs> want to put it out there into the public. So it wasn't like deliver a message to your cousins or something like that, like a warning or something. Okay. It was a warning, but it was, the warning was meant for me. Uh, and in fact, the, one of the, I guess, compelling factors for me to drive to that place was to ask my cousins if they knew what that meant. Did they didn't, they knew. No, they didn't, they didn't understand what it meant. Andrew, you're going to make me think about this for the rest of the day. Now I'm going to be like, what, what is this message? <laughs> okay. Well, maybe at some point in the future, I will share that with you, but, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but this this episode is about you and your experiences, man, and your uh, influences. Why do you create such? I, I I don't really think that your artwork is dark, but it does have overtones of darkness in it, and uh, it seems like there is an influence of otherworldly going on in that. Yes, sir. Why Why don't you talk about that a little bit? All right. Well, you know, I thought about last night when you approached me about talking today. At first, I was nervous. I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, I don't, I don't have any huge uh, paranormal experiences. I have a few, um, but they're sort of cloudy because when, when I was young, so I was like worried that I wouldn't have anything to talk about. But then I remembered uh, as a young kid, I grew up right next door to a graveyard. And I mean, when I say a graveyard, it, this thing was huge, big, big graveyard in a suburb of Chicago. And uh, probably out of all the houses on that entire strip, my creepy little bedroom window in my hundred year old apartment that I lived in looked out over this graveyard. And uh, at night, you know, the street lights would cast eerie shadows and eerie lights on all the graves and headstones and some of the creepy old trees this uh the city is joliet it's about 45 minutes southwest of chicago and uh this uh graveyard was on a street called jefferson street and man as a little kid i did not look out that window at night very much uh because when i did you know kids whether it's imagination or whether children have uh, perceptive abilities that we sort of lose as adults. And I don't know the answer, but, you know, I tricked my mind into thinking I saw all kinds of things. Such as? Well, yeah. So I would, I remember one night in particular, it was a winter night. Uh, there was no snow on the ground, but it was bitterly cold. And, uh, but for some reason, my, my window was cracked open and that, the cold air was just seeping in. So I had to go over to the window. There was no avoiding it. And uh, as I did, you know, shut my window, I parted the curtains to get there and I look across the street and I swear, you know, what are we, 40 years later now, that the street lamps went off even as I looked at them and came right back on but went off as if knowing that I was looking at them. Hmm. And uh, I, I wrote a book about six or seven years ago, and I used that uh, memory in the book, sort of a quiet little scene, but it's a recurring thing. And it's actually in the book I'm writing now, it recurs a little bit too, of the street lamp going off inexplicably, as if there was some presence turning it off uh, something controlling it. 
You know, uh, have you seen the Harry Potter movies where uh, the like the Dementors they go by and uh, when they do the lights dim and everything gets cold. Oh, okay, yeah. It was, was kind of like it felt like that, even though obviously Harry Potter didn't exist at the time and I didn't know anything about it. Uh, so I was thoroughly creeped out and I would not go to that window. Now during the day, of course, graveyards are beautiful things, all these beautiful trees and everything, but who at night? So if you live near Joliet, you know what I'm talking about, the Jefferson Street <laughs> graveyard. <laughs> so when you were sharing that story, I could, I could hear the nervousness in your voice. It sounds like it's still fresh in your memory, uh, the yeah. feeling that you had when you experienced that. I can go right back there. You know how kids' memories are very vivid. You can put yourself right back there in a heartbeat. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, well, that tells me that the experience was real, not imagination. Yeah, man. I, and I don't know the answer. I don't know what it could be. What if, if something knew that I was observing it and how? Yeah, I don't know. Did you see any shapes or shadows or, you know, anything that was out of the ordinary other than the lights going off? So not that time. No, I didn't that time. Like the street lamps going off and I was done with it, slammed the curtain, shut the window. But other times, uh, you know, I would look out there before I was, I guess, wise enough to be afraid of it. And uh, once again, I was a little kid, I don't know, maybe five or six, um, looking out there and there were times Late at night, everybody in my house is asleep. There's no traffic on this road, super late at night. And I look over there and I swear I see things swirling in the lamplight, you know, moving under the trees. Is it a trick of the wind making the branches sway? Is it, you know, is it birds flying in between the street lamps casting eerie shadows? I do not know, but strange things were moving in the, in the Jefferson Street graveyard. Do you remember how you felt when you saw that? You know, at first, I want to say I was curious, but uh, then maybe a little bit less curious, a little more afraid. Uh, winters, especially, you know, when it gets super, super quiet. If you've ever lived in the Midwest, I don't know if you have, but I grew up in the Midwest and on those cold winter nights, doesn't matter where you are in the middle of the city, out in the middle of the sticks, it gets very deathly quiet. And you can hear a pin drop. And uh, the only sound sometimes is the wind and the dry dead leaves uh, creaking in the trees and stuff like that. It really sets the scene for a kid's imagination to go nuts. And For uh, sure, for sure. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, I think you alluded to it but I think you kind of shied away from committing to the idea that children are more sensitive to supernatural occurrences than we are as adults. Yeah. I mean, as adults, right. We, we kind of close our minds off to certain things, right? We, and I don't know if we do it consciously or if it's just a process of, you know, you have so much to do as an adult, you, you got to push some of the, imaginary stuff or not imaginary stuff to the side when you grow up right but kids it's 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 an open door it's an open book you've got no clutter in there and you perceive everything in a very raw and real way right kids do have overactive imaginations as well uh and they're a lot more creative <clears throat> at at early ages like you said, adults close themselves off to the the world of fantasy because either they don't have time to deal with that stuff, they're too practical-minded, you know, and worried about paying bills and getting getting to work on time and that sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Whereas children have none of those burdens and they have the ability to, to really focus on the world, the bigger world that's out there. And then we totally. lose some of that ability as we're growing up. Part of that's through the indoctrination of the educational system. Absolutely. 
but uh, because they tend to try to program that stuff out of us for some reason. And I certainly don't embrace it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, one of the, uh, one of my guests that's um, part of this Halloween special, she is a psychic medium and she first became aware of her abilities when she was about three years old. And she was sharing with me some of her earlier uh, experiences as a child. And then as she got a little bit older and in school, she tried to share some of those experiences with other kids her age. And because she thought everybody had those experiences. Right. You know, as kids, we don't know. We don't know the difference between you know, somebody who wears designer clothes, brand, brand name clothes, and somebody who wears secondhand store clothing, you know, that's just not a factor in our youth. Exactly. Until we get that stuff programmed into us as we grow older. Quite well, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Totally unfortunate. Um, and it's a real bad flaw in our, in our society. But she got her a, you know, very rude awakening when she tried to share her experiences with her friends and the friends were like, laughed at her that, you know, none of them, they thought she was making stuff up. Yeah. And pretty crushing to her ego, right? Well, it was, it made her aware that she was different, you know, and, uh, you know, happily in her situation, she didn't abandon her, her abilities or her gifts, she just kept it from, and she didn't share it with other people. Were her parents uh, receptive to this phenomenon or did they shut it down as well? Uh, so I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time talking about her story because she shares it in great depth uh, okay. on, on the episode that's going to be um, coming out later in the week. But uh yeah, she her story is very very fascinating, man. I hope you. Yeah, I'm gonna check that one out. Yeah, I hope you take time to check it out because yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I will say this: her abilities, from what she shared with me, her abilities are extraordinary, and it's it's not something that I say lightly. I don't know a lot of people that have psychic abilities to begin with. But what I've seen and what I've heard, I've always been kind of skeptical about psychic abilities. Yeah. Until, like I said, about three or four years ago. And uh, what changed my mind was this book that I read. Uh, I'll get into that later. I might have uh, already shared that with some other people that I've already talked about. But I'll mention the name of the book one more time. It's called Hunt for the Skinwalker. And it's about Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. I've never heard of that. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I do, man. And the reason that the book was important to me opening up my, uh, my skepticism, you know, um, or basically putting down my skepticism and being more open to the idea that there is something to the the spirit world and paranormal activity and stuff like that. The people who are involved in this book are scientists, scholars, uh, very practical minded people who normally would not be uh, open to investigating these kind of things. And through the book, they share their experiences. I will check it out. Yes. So do check out that book. It's a fascinating book. Uh, It did open my eyes to be more uh, receptive to stories that I hear about the uh, paranormal. And then then another thing that really uh, kind of helped me become more open about thinking about these things was the um the new york times came out with their article 
about the Nimitz incident and the UFO that they encountered? I haven't read that one. I oh, you haven't? To. Okay. Do, are you interested in UFO phenomena at all? Yeah, sure. So, there, yeah, 2017, there was a New York Times article that broke, and it pretty much broke the entire UFO topic um, onto the mainstream. And it's been kind of a, a, an uphill ride ever since. The, the, the U.S. government is now um, starting a task force. Congress has uh, started a task force through the DOD that they're investigating unidentified, they call them unidentified aerial phenomena. <laughs> That's vague, intentionally vague. Yeah, they changed it from UFO <laughs> to UAP. But uh, there's a, a an organization that's working with, well, they're, they're meeting with Congress, members of Congress, and trying to get the ball rolling for this. And it's called To the Stars Academy. You know, I've been seeing a little bit more in what little media I do consume about UFOs and uh, this kind of stuff more lately than ever before, I think. I wonder if that's why. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is because there's, uh, you know, prior, prior to 2017, any kind of news coverage that you would get was always kind of tongue in cheek. The newscasters would be making fun of the whole phenomena yeah, in, one, yeah. in some way. They, they would cover it, but almost begrudgingly. But now they're way more open to it. And it's in, in huge part because of what that news article did. Um, and that news article was uh, heavily influenced by what To The Stars Academy was doing. So got to give a lot of credit where credit is due. <laughs> you have enlightened me. I didn't know about some of these things. We'll check them out. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've always had an interest in, in UFOs, but I I always felt like there were more realistic explanations to what was out there. Uh, and then, you know, since, since 2017 and then reading that book hunt for the skinwalker. Um, yeah, I've really been a lot more open to exploring the possibilities of these things being something otherworldly, something that we don't understand. There's so much that we don't understand, right? Definitely. Absolutely. There's way more that we don't understand than what we actually do know. Yeah, agreed. I just wish uh, more of humanity would admit that to themselves. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. So, uh, yeah, your, your stories of uh, your childhood looking out over the graveyard man i love the way you painted the picture with, the, <laughs> with your words um you know you you have such a good a good way of describing the the situation that what you saw what you observed what you experienced and what you felt um that it really you know i know you're a painter you know you're you're an artist and paint things but you you also for me by your description, you painted a picture in my mind for me to be able to visualize what you experienced as a, as a little kid. I it's think very that's easy. It's very, it's very easy for me to go back there in my head. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. But, you know, also having the ability to use the right words to, you know, the right brushstrokes to, to yeah. illustrate that picture in somebody else's mind. That's not an easy thing to do. For you, it may be because you're a trained writer. <laughs> I like a uh, storyteller, right? Exactly. Yes. You should hear some of the, the creepy stories I tell my kid, man. You won't even <laughs> be like, okay, dad, that's enough. It's time to stop. <laughs> uh, so are these true stories or made up stories? Uh, you know, sometimes I weave them together. Yeah. And uh, just add a little extra flavor to them. And I don't know if he really appreciates that yet, <laughs> Maybe he will when he's older. 
for this Halloween special, I have a couple people that are submitting audio recordings of stories that they've written or stories that they've heard. Do you want to do something like that? What if I read an excerpt uh, from the book I'm writing now? Yeah, absolutely. What, what's the name of the book that's going to be from? Uh, the book is tentatively titled The Catacomb of Man. Uh, it's sort of about these creatures that have lived underground for millions of years and have decided to cull humanity down to one last city. And uh, they, the way they do it is sort of super creepy. And the, and the people have tried various methods to stop them and, they, and they're not able to do that. So it's, it's going to be a full-length horror movie, a sequel movie, book, <laughs> wish a movie, a uh, sequel to a, a shorter novella that I wrote a couple of years back. Okay, now I have to tell you something. Yeah. Because this is like, do you believe in synchronicity? Do you know what synchronicity is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I have it with my girlfriend all the time. So here's an interesting synchronicity, okay? Okay. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about somebody else's story on your episode, but what you just shared with me about what what did you call the creatures? Uh, they don't really have names. The people okay. refer to them as horrors, but they, they don't have names. And where do they come from? Underground. Catacombs. So this lady, the psychic... Wow, this freaking blows my mind just thinking about it. Okay, she has had experiences with creatures or beings that she refers to as inner earth beings. Oh, and what a, what's the nature of these beings? <laughs> they are some kind of an entity that has been here for on this earth since the beginning of time. She doesn't even know how far back they go. Maybe to the beginning of the earth or longer. And they have ill intent towards humanity. All right. This is a little bit of synchronicity, huh? From my perspective, 100%. I mean, what you're telling me is these creatures live underground. They've been around for millions of years. They obviously have ill intent towards humans, if you believe in that kind of stuff. I don't disbelieve in it, that's for sure. I think only a fool disbelieves in powers uh, that are beyond our understanding. Agreed. Totally. Do you want to set up the, the scene or uh, are you just going to pick something out at random? Today, I'd like to read an excerpt from my novel, The Hecatomb. It's a spooky little thing and you can pick it up on Amazon. Let's get started. This part is called The Skeleton Sculptor. On the morning the hunt began, we'd had a hundred men. After three months, we were down to eleven. We all know how it would end, but only a few got to see it. My name is Costas. Those who knew me would have said I listened more than I talked. They'd have been right, of course. I was always a watcher more than a doer. I'd grown up in the master's service, in a mountain city graven of pale stone. In the master's citadel, we had towers taller than anywhere else in the known world. We had women more beautiful than the sun, moon, and stars. Why should I talk, I thought, when surrounded by such glory? And so I watched and listened and learned. It was a perfect place, my home. I loved it. And if I weren't dead, I'd return there and never leave again. Most of what I remember of our 90th night out was that my feet hurt. I sat beneath the full red moon, the campfire snapping at my toes, and I rubbed my foot soles until my fingers went numb. For a short while, I didn't care about all the men who'd gone missing. I didn't care about the master's orders. All that mattered to me was that my sandals were off, my armor was loose on my shoulders, and my belly was full of stew. After all, there weren't many of us left to eat the food we'd started with. 
there seemed no sense in dying hungry. It's ten days home, a soldier murmured across the dying campfire, which means if we leave tomorrow, one of us will survive. I looked at the other men. Five of us were hunkered in the scrubby grass. We were sulking by the fire, our gazes inky in the night. The other six men were asleep in two tents atop a nearby hill. I could see the lights of their fires dying the same as ours. The flames were red, just like the moon. There was no wind that night, only the scarlet light on the silent earth. So, my fellow soldier Ios grumped on the fire's far side, the one who makes it back home, he gets to die on the master's gallows instead of out here in the grass. I listened while the argument began. We don't know the others are dead, Nicholas grunted. Could be they're hiding. Could be they're lost in the hills somewhere. Nicholas wasn't wrong. Not exactly. We'd never actually found any of the bodies. But Ios knew better. So did I. Not that I said anything. As likely missing as swimming on the moon, Ios glanced skyward. They're all dead, and you know it. Philoc, the biggest of our soldiers, rolled his massive shoulders. Tanned golden by the sun, still packed into his hard leather hauberk, he was the only one of us who still looked fierce. If any of us survive, I thought, it'll be him. I want it to come, Philoc rumbled. Let it skulk out of the darkness. I have a spear for it. There will be no more of our bones, only its. It was wishful thinking, and we all knew it. Ios shook his head. Nicholas just looked afraid. Luke peered over the fire, moonlight in his eyes, and went back to eating from his wooden bowl. He never talked, our Luke. He was even quieter than me. Spears don't kill ghosts, murmured Ios. Mine might, Philoc glared. Our huge friend had a point. His spear, a man and a half tall, leaned on a boulder near the fire. Its haft was as thick as most men's forearms, its tip catching the moonlight just so. I'd seen Fee skewer a boar with it once. It had split the poor squealing thing in two. But our quarry wasn't a boar. It didn't squeal. It didn't die. All it did was take the living away and never bring them back. Are there, were there any other experiences you had as a child? Well, okay, I'll switch gears on you here. And I will talk about something that happened when I was a teenager. Um, so I live in the Midwest still and uh, every summer, and every winter I would go uh, out into the deep country, uh, central Illinois, to spend a few weeks with my friend. We'll call him Jason, that's his name, Jason. He lived out on a, on a farm, very remote, um, very uh, out there in the sticks. You can't see a house. If you go out his door, you can't see another house in every direction. Um, and uh, to break to a side note is, Jason's uh, current hobby is ghost hunting. And, and you reminded me of that when you were talking about the, uh, the ghost hunting experience that the psychic medium woman had. So that's what he does now for his fun thing. But anyway, we were 14, 15 years old. And what we did at Jason's house is we would always wait till everybody else went to sleep. And we would go down to the basement and we would either watch movies or you know, play video games on our old school NES Nintendo. So, you know, one night we're down there, it's the middle of the winter. And uh, once again, cold, creaky outside, don't want to go out there. And both of us at the same time, we, we look away from what we're doing. We're, we're engrossed in video games and somehow our attention is drawn into this other room. It's, it's sort of a defunct dining room with chandelier and a table and everything in it. Totally empty room, totally dark in the room. And to this day, I swear to you, as my name is Jay Edward, that both of us saw Abraham Lincoln standing in this room, staring us down 
as if we were in his house and not he in ours. Uh, the phenomenon lasted only for a few seconds and then poof, gone. No chills, no sounds, no interaction between us. And uh, of course, Jason and I, after this, we just look at each other like, did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. And of course, you know, when we told people the next day, uh, they're they're like, you guys are crazy. How could you possibly both see the same thing at the same time? You're just kids having fun with us, pulling our leg. So we didn't tell too many people beyond his family. But if you were to call up Jason right now, ghost hunter, man that he is, and ask him about the Abraham Lincoln incident in his farmhouse in the middle of the night, probably 2 a.m., he'd tell you every detail I told you and maybe even some more. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> that is a great story, man. Uh, I love it. But the one question I have is what the heck would Abraham Lincoln be doing in that part of Illinois? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he, uh, it was our impression that he lived there at one point, but of course that's a lot of conjecture. We have no way of knowing that. Um, and I'm not a historian, so I don't really know all his places of dwelling. Well, that would be fascinating to find out if he did have residence at that location at some point. Yeah. So how old is the house that your friend lived in? So that house is gone now, but at the time it was 120 years. It had the creepiest basement you've, you could ever imagine. It was, uh, it was one of those basements that had like a room beyond a room beyond a room in which a creepy boiler is, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. no windows, uh, only one entrance and exit, sooty, dark, dank and of course you know there were times in the winter you had to go down there to either fix something or get something and nobody wanted to be that person all the creepy sounds that were down there it was an old house for sure now i didn't i didn't have an experience anything close to that but i did have um a house that uh or i didn't have a house i i visited a house that was in my family belonged to my great-grandparents and they had a little secret passage that went from one room to another room and it was between a clot it was a closet that had a door at at the back side of one closet that opened up into a wall on the other side of the, uh, in the other room that is cool yeah it was cool man <laughs> you know and especially as a kid running through that house playing hide and seek and boom you know you, you <laughs> duck into the hidden closet and you're in a different room yeah that was freaking cool man if i ever build a house i'm gonna have secret passages like that in it you gotta you gotta have them oh uh, for sure yeah I've, <laughs> I've even thought about putting you know some secret pathways in my house here but do it I'm not much of a carpenter, <laughs> you know, I was in my younger days. I was, I was a pretty good carpenter, but I've kind of let those skills go by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story, man. Abraham Lincoln. So he didn't give you any message other than you're in my house. He just stared. He didn't say a word. Just yeah. gave us that intense, tall ex-president stare down. Did he have his hat and wardrobe? He had the hat. Okay. He had the hat and he was wearing kind of a, a dark suit. It, it felt so real, man. It was intense. I just thought of another freaking synchronicity, dude. And it has to do with Abraham Lincoln. Go. I want to hear it. All right. So I'm listening to this audiobook because I don't I read so freaking slow. I have to listen to audiobooks to get through a book. Okay. Um, and this book is called Psychic Literacy. I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times already with other uh, interviews that I've done. And it's written by Ingo Swan. If you're interested, he's a fascinating character. He was part of the military remote viewing program back in the 70s. Um, if you know anything about that, it's an amazing program that the military funded and 
um, engaged in for years to, to uh, combat the Soviets on a psychic level. Was that like clairvoyance or is that what they were trying to perfect? It's, it's something like that, but it's, it's, okay. I, I don't want to get too much into what that is because I talk about it at, okay. at length in, in other episodes, but. I can um, educate myself. I, yeah. I would encourage you to, the, the book I'm reading is not really about remote viewing. It's about psychic ability. And, um, but the remote, the whole remote viewing thing is fascinating. I've heard the term. I just don't know the details. So I'll check it out. Okay. Um, the book I'm reading by Ingo Swan, he talks about Abraham Lincoln having psychic abilities and actually having dreams of, of his murder. And he spoke with his cabinet the day he was assassinated and said, before long, I can't remember his exact words, but it was something about you're going to have a very important meeting without me. So he alluded to his own death. He basically knew he was going to die and he knew it was going to be very soon. (laughs) And you bring up seeing Abraham Lincoln as a child, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln as a child. I mean, it's just wild, dude. It's <laughs> it is wild. a little it's bit wild. wild, man. So that's two kind of weird synchronicities that we've experienced while having this conversation. I like it. And I, I know some people put a lot of stock in synchronicities and, you know, they say that that could, um, if you're experiencing synchronicities, that are very profound like that, then you're on the right path. Whatever you're doing, you're going the right direction. So continue, continue on. All right. Unless the synchronicities are negative, then you want to (laughs) veer away and go the different direction. Good point. Good point. Uh, Right on, man. So, okay. So we heard about your weirdness as a child. No. So let me, let me rephrase (laughs) that because that sounds wrong. Weirdness. (laughs) Well, at the time it was pretty weird. Your weird, uh, your strange experiences as a child, your your a little bit unnerving experiences as a teenager. Was it you were a teenager? Yeah, fourteen or fifteen must okay. have been. Uh, anything else after that? Um, you know, I used to have night terrors, um, and people talk about how vivid those are. You know, my kid has had them a few times, and I've. I know a lot of people that talk about having them, but man, I used to have some seriously recurring night terrors so much so that the entity from my terrors made its way as the, the primary villain in this upcoming book. He bothered me so much that I, I made him famous. I'm trying to anyway. Um, yeah, I used to, dream that these like skeletal entities and it, of course it didn't feel like a dream did i know the difference between a dream and we all do and like reality and you convince yourself when you have a night terrors that it's so real and uh so i would have this like skeletal entity rip me out of my plane of existence and take me to these other worlds where i was more vulnerable to his darkness or whatever it's darkness i don't know if it was a he but I had these well into my twenties and, you know, I was convinced that they weren't just night terrors. They were very real, but it was just one of those things where you can't, you have a limited audience about who you can talk to about those kind of things. And after a few maybe unsympathetic girlfriends and uh, friends kind of shut those tales away in, into the dark, to the void don't talk about it very much, but they're pretty intense, man. Well, this is a safe space for you, man. I appreciate am, that. I, yeah. I'm absolutely open to, you know, no judgment. Um, I've never experienced those things myself. I've had nightmares where, you know, I wake up in a sweat yeah. thinking what I had just experienced was real, but not at that level, like what you're talking about. 
Um, so the book that you're writing, um, is it, is that the book that you wanted to read a passage from? Yeah, it'll be the same. Okay. So maybe, maybe read a, a little excerpt about this, uh, this character that you created out of these night terrors. For sure. I'll do it. That's excellent. What Excellent. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a great book, dude. When's it going to be out? Oh, God. Um, it's so wrapped up in the art lately, but it looks like I'm going to have a little bit more time uh, during the holidays and the cold season here. So I'm hoping to have it out by spring. Cool. Cool. Do you have any other books in that genre that are already finished and available? I do. I have the, it's a novella. It's called The Hecatomb. I think you and I have talked about it before, yes. but it, this is going to be a sequel of that direct sequel of that, but I wanted to, you know, I guess some pretty positive feedback on the Hecatomb and I figured, Hey, uh, this deserves a full length novel. Um, and I've got, I've got the story in my head. Just got to put it on paper. Right so. on. And Heca, is that a measure of uh, like a distance? measure of distance um so yes it's it's a number uh the hecatomb the definition is actually a real word is a, a great loss of life oh okay it's a, sort of an old archaic word uh for some singular cause important isn't there some uh some underground graveyard or burial site in i think it's in france where they have yes. millions of people's bones oh i'm obsessed with that dude the catacombs of france right right it's so cool i want to go there <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what actually i met a photographer on twitter who has visited that place and taken pictures of it oh i'm so jealous yeah <laughs> and she's uh, shared her pictures very very cool looking pictures um Field trip. Yeah, I think your name was Karina O, but she's not on Twitter that much. She's not on Twitter at all anymore. She still has an account, but she doesn't doesn't share her photos anymore. Probably a wise policy in this day of social media. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, man. I mean, I I still share my photos, but uh, less so on Facebook because their policies are just so wrong, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to. I know where you're going. Beat on social media. <laughs> um, so fascinating story about the night terrors. Uh, do do you? How, how long's been since you've had those? Oh, it's been ever since I had my kid. I think they ended completely. So hopefully, does mean I transferred him to him. But, right, but he does have those too, right? He had them for a while, but uh, not anymore. He it just suddenly dried up, and now he's good. That's good, man. I'm glad to hear that. Hope it stays that way. Yeah, it's it's hard to hear stories about children that are going through experiences like that, man. Kids are supposed to have joy in their life, you know, and happiness. Yeah. Not not go through that kind of craziness. It's, it's no fun for sure. <laughs> yeah, but then he's got J. Edward Neal as a dad, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's like everywhere he goes in the house, there's skeletons, graves, and dead trees. But it's Poor beautiful. Kid. I mean, it's it's portrayed in a beautiful way, you know? I mean, well, fascinating art. Truth be told, Andrew, his art is way darker than mine, so. That's right. Yeah, you, you <laughs> did mention that before. Yeah, That's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm glancing across the room right now, and I see this big, horrific spider that he drew that looks very realistic and it's it's staring at me right now from the refrigerator you know what i think <laughs> i think you mentioned on you did a little walkthrough of your house slash museum yeah and i think you mentioned that his artwork is a lot darker than yours it's it's, it's the damn truth my friend <laughs> even at his age so um how about if we wrap this up? I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for another hour, but I, I really want to try to keep these to an hour because of the editing time. You are tireless, my friend. You know, I really want this to be something 
unique and something special for people. Cool. We appreciate you doing them. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. But anyway, uh, all your contact information is still the same. Do you want to just repeat it for people in case they want to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, J. Edward Neal. I'm on Twitter as J. Edward Neal. I'm on Facebook as Shadow Art Finds. And uh, you just go to my website and it's downthedarkpath.com and you'll find all my art, all my books, all my links. And I love to interact with people. So reach out and find me. Cool. Thanks again, Jeremy, for joining me on this special uh, Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories with me, bud. It's been my pleasure, Andrew. Love it. Thanks so much. Good deal. Thank you. 